Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. We're upbringing. We're here live at five ish mm-hmm. um, on the last evening of 2020 to uh, talk about goals, talk about values, talk about the fun stuff, the hard stuff, all mm-hmm. the things. Throw them at us. Talk about all the ways that we can parent um, for sanity and social change by using powers beyond control in those hard moments with our kids, right? In those dis- quote unquote discipline moments when we feel like, God, they need to know this. God, they got to stop doing this. God, what kind of person are they going to become if I don't crack down on this right now with this big control based toolbox that I was given um, through cultural conditioning, conventional wisdom, my own upbringing, all the things. So we're here to dismantle some of that shit, rewrite it, talk about all the things we don't have to do, all the things that we can do instead that are going to make us feel more connected to our kids, that are going to help us grow up alongside them, and they're going to be a little bit more fun, right? I was going to say fun, but yeah. fun. It will be fun, we promise. But we also <laughs> want to talk about our privilege for a moment, that we are very privileged. We're cis, white, straight, able-bodied, um, white, I said white, white, super white. We're so white. Um, privileged women here, and this is not just an opportunity to be growing with our kids, but it's a responsibility mm-hmm. um, to be trying to disrupt, interrupt these cycles of control. And, of and we also haven't pressed um, record yet, which we should oh, probably do, do on our podcast. Hey, podcast peeps. We're starting over. Hey, everyone. I'm Hannah. <laughs> this is Kelty. We're upbringing. That's your job. We're here live at five to talk about the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff. Kelty. You know, you, you know this next part so well. We're, we're parenting for sanity and social change, practicing powers beyond control, trying to disrupt, interrupt, do all these amazing things uh, to not be parenting 
um, through um, just blind power, but recognizing that our power is a privilege, not permission in the parent-child relationship. And mm -hmm. that's why we want to be thinking about how it, how it works in this kind of parent-child relationship, how that dynamic can be extended outside of the home, right? Every tantrum, every quote-unquote misbehavior, every moment that our kids are driving us over the edge is an opportunity to be building skills around respect, consent, nonviolent communication, empathy, warmth, communication skills, um, I'm just like circling around, uh, boundary setting, trust. trust, so many things so that they can go out into the world and kick some serious ass and make some serious changes, really secure, confident, resilient human beings mm -hmm. who can help people less fortunate than they are. That's our goal. Right. Or oppressed people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of what we talk about too, I mean, just as everyone's flowing in here and, um, hopefully pasting in some, um, some little challenges they're going through that we can ruminate on. Um, I lost my train of thought. I'm like really tired. <laughs> no, I think our, our, our goal here is to talk about ways that we can, um, practice powers beyond control. We've yeah. been given this parenting toolbox of control, consequences, on my terms, now, threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame. We always throw in spanking, timeouts, all these things that, that we've been conditioned to believe are our tools for teaching our kids right. um, and that we just don't have to use. No. We just don't have to use them. <clears throat> Those tools, the control toolbox, can often be quote-unquote effective. Mm -hmm. So I can get our kids to meet our expectations, to change their behaviors, right? To level up, but at the expense of what? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, and the research is finally coming out now that shows that when we use control on our kids, a lot of things are undermined. Their self-concept, their independence, their resilience, their confidence, their skills, like you mm -hmm. said, healthy in communication. And then also their, their belief about power and how power is used or abused, right? Mm -hmm. So this is all really important stuff and we're grateful that you're all here talking with us about mm -hmm. it. We can make um, it fun, we can make it connective. Like we're all struggling with these things <laughs> together. Our kids are um, four, five, six, and seven now. It's a daily challenge to just get through the most basic stuff with them. But I think that once we figure out that we don't have to use control anymore, mm -hmm. it can feel a little overwhelming, but it can ultimately be incredibly liberating to build some new skills build that relationship, right? Where we're not feeling so like true. crap at the end of every day, right? Mm -hmm. Where we feel a little hopeful about the skills we built, the skills our kids built, the connection we made, mm -hmm. right? Let's read a couple questions. What do you we, have? We also have like a hundred DMs that we can pull up. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Monica. We owe you a DM. Okay. <clears throat> First question. What do we do when our child's big feelings make our other children feel frustrated? It's one thing as parents to understand our child's feelings, but it's so hard for other young children to under, probably understand, you know, to understand. Yeah, totally mm -hmm. get that. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's hard. And I think <clears throat> oftentimes other kids look to us for how to act mm -hmm. in those situations. So they're like, older sibling is, <clears throat> or younger sibling is losing it, mom. Is this okay? What do you <laughs> think? So we talk about a lot how we have so much power in those moments to be showing and normalizing that the feelings our kids have are okay to have, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the other power we have but in our modeling rather than just normalizing, showing up, leaning in, if kids are struggling or if we're struggling, we have the power to model boundaries, right? So rather than putting limits on that child who's struggling, don't say those words, don't scream that loud, go mm -hmm. somewhere else, 
we get to model personal boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And we say, ah, oh, looks like my ears are, this is a little loud for my ears and I'm so here for you. I'm going to take a mm-hmm. quick break. You know, whatever your child, based on their sensitivity, needs to know, sometimes I'll just be like, and just mm-hmm. like go and then come back. Mm-hmm. And that's all showing our children what, what they can do if they're feeling overwhelmed by another child, right? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to sit and bear witness with us, with their sibling necessarily. Mm-hmm. If it's bothering them, we've got the mirror neurons going on, right? Mm-hmm. So triggering. And you can tell them, hey, it seems like it's, you're feeling a little stressed or a little uncomfortable about so-and-so's big feelings right now. You know you can go to your room, right? Mm-hmm. Do you need to, do you want to come with me into the kitchen real quick? Or, hey, Papa's upstairs. You want to go check on him? And we're showing them that they have permission to set a personal boundary, to gain that self-awareness and say, wow, this is hard for me right now. I'm not going to put more pressure on another Mm -hmm. person. I have personal power, right? Yeah. I think that so much of that can happen in a circle back conversation. So we've got a resist approach, which is right here. It's um, basically a loose six-step process or conversation human to human with our kid husbands, our mother-in-laws, anyone, anyone we're struggling with um, when we two, it's two people or maybe more having needs and how can we get those needs met together, right? right? And so the last step of the resist approach is trust. And a lot, of, a lot of this trust step is about circling back to say, maybe I'm just gonna run the resist approach later outside that moment and connect with one of these kids <clears> and be <throat> like, oh, it was so hard when your sibling was struggling. That was, oh, that was tricky. It was like, it was so loud or the way that they were struggling, they were throwing things and we were kind of there in the melee and it was so tricky. Or I noticed that you, your, your fists were clenched. Mm-hmm. I noticed you were covering your ears. So we're helping them build that self-awareness because mm-hmm. sometimes in the moment, kids are just experiencing the feelings and weathering them and they don't have the self-awareness skills yet to say, oh, I'm, I don't like this. You know, other kids are I'm just out. like, <laughs> stop. Maybe you're noticing with your kids, they're like, stop, shut up. I don't like it. So they're very verbal about the fact that they're feeling uncomfortable. And then in which case in the circle back, what would you say? You seem really uncomfortable about yeah. that. What can we do next time? Mm-hmm. Is that, it, do you feel like you could maybe step out? Is it, you know, if there's nothing you feel like you could do to help them or if it's feeling a little hard for you to support, I'm there because I'm going to try to support your sibling. But if you ever need a, to step out, that's cool. I'm hearing your words, Kelsey. And mm-hmm. this sounds like something we could tell our partners as well. <laughs> Totally. When partners are struggling, maybe. Yeah. Hey, you know you can go to the other room or out into the kitchen. I've if got this, honey. It's going to be okay. so on top of this. Right. <laughs> I am projecting confidence yeah. and and um, and conviction that mm-hmm. all this is normal and that we have personal power, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we want to instill in our in our kids. I've totally lost my last thought here to wrap <laughs> this okay. up. But I, I think... think- check out our siblings guide because yeah, we talk about right. so much of this. It's like, it's hard enough supporting like, like this person wrote the, the feelings of one child. But when those feelings are, are, are um, showing to have an impact on other kids, it's like double down. It's so difficult. And I think that based on our cultural conditioning, so often we, we believe that it's either one person's needs or another person's needs that either my needs are met and they suffer or their needs are met and I suffer. Mm-hmm. And we do not have to go about it that way. Mm-hmm. The way we're showing our kids in these instances using the resist approach, which you can download on our website, is saying we can get everyone's needs met a little bit. And then mm-hmm. if they weren't, maybe we can circle back later and yeah. process a new way, right? This six-year-old who's really upset or however old they are, they can be really upset and get those needs met of expressing themselves, mm-hmm. right? And these other kids can get their needs met by going in the other room and doing something else. Yeah. It's or, unless you're in the car, in which case, <laughs> good luck then to you're you. you're all fucked. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's our worst, <laughs> yeah. worst spot where we're all trapped. Such a great question. Yeah, really great question. Um, 
What's next? I think what else I would say about that. I feel like I had a thought too I think that I've lost. To keep moving on. <laughs> like losing Sorry. thoughts right and left here. What's the next one? How Tom? can I help my kids to not complain so much? The constant negative attitudes make them sound ungrateful, but it's so very annoying. Mm -hmm. oh. oh man. And I think it's a huge part of the, the annoyance. I mean, it's uh, several factors. First of all, we got to say annoying and complain, uh, annoyance, complaining, whining is all incredibly normal and natural and it's okay. And it's going to change over time. But I think we have to remember, wow, why am I so bothered by this? Is it because I feel uh, undervalued as a parent right now and stressed, you know? And so it's like all, for everything I do for you, you're complaining about it. Is it just that kind of constant negativity that wears you down after a while or the noise level? Like we get very mm -hmm. touched out, talked out as mm -hmm. parents. We're like highly sensitive. <clears throat> um, or could it also be that we were triggered in those moments from when we had needs and feelings as a child and they were shut down by our parents. Mm -hmm. Stop complaining. Stop whining. You don't know how lucky you are. Do you know what other kids have? Mm -hmm. Those types of things that even if we don't uh, implicitly or, you know, um, consciously, consciously remember them, they're implicit memories within mm -hmm. us and they're stored in our bodies. And then they come out and they're triggered when our child is saying these things. Yeah. Right. We, we did a story earlier today when somebody said, like, what about kids that are constantly asking for something over and over and over, like in these moments? And I was mm -hmm. like, aren't kids asking for things constantly all the time? That's what they do is they say, I need this. I need that. Which is so healthy. Which is so healthy. And yeah. it's so hard for us as parents to just be like, you're constantly needing things and that's too much for me. And that's not, not your problem. It's my problem. And I'm going to try to figure it out on my side. Right. And I think that what we recommended in that story was to in those moments when they're sounding like a broken record. They're like, I need, I want, I'm complaining, I'm complaining, I'm complaining. We don't want to mirror that by being a broken record back. I already told you, no, because of this, stop complaining, stop whining. We don't want to mirror that back. We want to dive in and connect. We can run the resist approach, but we really need to just say, you really want, don't want to do mm. that. Mm. Oh, you really, really want that cookie, that fifth cookie. You're all about that cookie, right? I think oftentimes when, when our kids are resisting a situation or a transition or a reality, their resistance leads us to counter resist and to mm -hmm. add more. No, stop doing that, right? And I think oftentimes, like you said, Kel, when mm -hmm. we can just meet that resistance with, with empathy, there's nothing for them to push against and they can move past the feelings that they have. And it helps us, at least it helps right. me de-escalate right. to help them de-escalate i'm yeah. regulating myself and just saying yeah you want that and then they're like oh yes i want uh, that oh okay what's next i'm heard yeah i've been listened to <laughs> my mom right. gives a shit about what i'm feeling and going through right. i think lastly on this point about a child or children who are constantly grumbly constantly negative i think would be the respect step of our mm -hmm. resist approach which you can download on our website <laughs> for people who are popping in here uh to consider what, what, how am I approaching these uh, invitations, these transitions, these things? Are my kids balking and whining and complaining, not just because like of reality and life, but maybe because of the way I'm approaching um, inviting them into these things? Is it an invitation? Is it a demand? Or am I shutting down or saying, oh, I wish we could do that too, but this time we can't, this right. and that. Or are we right. saying just no? So, right, so I think that mm -hmm. yes, we can we can acknowledge and work with our kids' feelings, what they're outputting, but I think we also have the responsibility and the privilege and power, right, to consider our approach and how that, that might be impacting the situation and our kids' response. I think whenever I think of my kid balking about something, it's usually because I'm like, okay, it's time to whatever, and I'm doing it so straightforward the way I would talk to a coworker or a sibling or someone else, but a child is more sensitive than that, and mm -hmm. they need sensitivity.
right? Yeah, to I match love that. their sensitivity. Consent parenting says, hola. Hi, consent And parenting. also says, Rosalia. yes, it's all about dysregulation. Mm -hmm. I think that that happens too. We mentioned yeah. that in the story is sometimes it's not about the cookie. Sometimes it's not about the thing. And they're just like, I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. I need help. Well, I need I need just love and connection. Mm -hmm. That's it. And oftentimes I think we get tricked too. We're like, well, I know when my kid's really upset because they have a full-on meltdown mm -hmm. or full-on throwing things or full-on crying. Or that was them at three. Right. They don't, we, we so often forget that people simmer and kids simmer. And what does their simmering stress language look mm -hmm. like? You know, mine is poking, where I poke and people are doing things wrong. That's like mm -hmm. how I do it. Or it's about my environment and how messy yeah, it is. Like I like, that's how I dive Trying into not to things. Say the when word I'm mess. feeling uncomfortable, not just about the environment, but about the taxes I haven't done yet and about the whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. So kids will show disinterest and distaste and all of these feelings, um, not just because of the way we say something, not just because of what it actually is, but just because what else is going on in their bodies. Yeah, I but it, is, but it is annoying. And I would <laughs> recommend just working yourself reg game, right? When that whining is happening, just downshift into neutral mode. We go into the bobblehead. We go nodding. We're just like, yes, you want that. Nothing has to happen right now. There's no emergency. We don't have to fix it, explain it away, make them cheerful and happy. We don't have to do any of those things. We just have to say, I see you, I hear you. And then when we Your struggle- Your feelings to you have are valid. Yeah. We want our kids to believe that their feelings are valid. And yeah. the way they express them is gonna change over time, right? They have a legitimate concern yeah. to them Mm -hmm. doesn't feel always legitimate to us, but it is very legit Thanks to them, us. right? <laughs> so so we're going to acknowledge that. And when we struggle to do that, we're going to step out. We're mm -hmm. going to say, I'm struggling to support you right now. You really want that. I'll be right back. Or I'm going to pass you over to Papa because I'm, I'm just, <clears throat> it's a little too much. Or I need a little bit of space. And I put up a boundary mm -hmm. saying, could you please be in your room could you journal about that could you right. draw a picture we don't always have the right we don't the always bandwidth. have the bandwidth to be like let's talk about it longer oh my god i let's, love cookies too let's honor that impulse yeah. forever and draw pictures yeah. you know it's hard you're doing an amazing job yeah someone says how to handle second baby when the second baby feels insecure do you mean when the, the first, first baby, baby feels insecure oh sure yeah that's part of our sibling guide too and we've been thinking about making a new uh new baby guide for that older kid mm -hmm. that's basically all of a sudden we hannah um often brings this up what yeah. book is it from it's supposed that rivalry yeah um the book says that basically bringing home a, a second sibling is the same as if our partner brought home a second wife and was like you're gonna love her. You guys are gonna be besties. You don't. You'll share a room eventually. Not it's, right now. It's gonna be amazing. You're gonna I'm, love. I'm gonna spend less time with you, but that's okay. We're a family. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, it's a total stranger. <laughs> they're, they're gonna need me all the time. I'm gonna spend less time with you. Yeah, but but you, it's gonna be really good. But right? I'm so excited. So you're excited. You gotta right? be excited, right? <laughs> um, it's, it's such a hard time, and I think that that our number one recommendation in that time having a, an older kid going through the like, oh my gosh, I now have mm -hmm. a new sibling, a little baby mm -hmm. going on, is to just welcome all those feelings, mm -hmm. right? And keep the baby safe. And remember yeah. that a, a younger kid, that I don't know how old your, your older child is, maybe mm -hmm. two, three, four, um, that their stress about this new baby is gonna come out in a lot of really weird, strange, mm -hmm. hard ways, huh? because they're not necessarily able to be like, so mom, so this new baby, mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to connect with you about that really quick. It's been um, super hard for me. I feel like I'm losing you. I feel like you're always holding them. Why don't you hold me as much? You keep saying I'm a big girl. I don't want to be a big girl. Why is this happening? They're mm -hmm. not going to say that. They might say, I wish she wasn't born or I hate the baby mm -hmm. or they might go over and bop him on the head. Or 
even more indirect, I'm not going to get in the bath. Yeah. Uh, no, I will not sit in my car Those seat. socks, absolutely not. Right. Yeah. Right. So it might come out in all these sideways ways. Yeah. And yeah, and I think that it's it's a big ask for us as, as parents of a new second baby to just recognize everything that our older kid is doing as normal and natural and necessary and, and asking for a need to be filled, which is more connection and more love and more understanding. Right. Even if it, if it comes out in these like behavioral testing ways that are so hard. Yeah, we want to keep, uh, as we always talk about, looking beneath the behaviors, so mm -hmm. the words, the actions that our kids are showing us when they're stressed and looking to that underlying need because we want to validate that. We want to honor that so that they can grow up honoring and validating their own needs with the new skills that they have, right? Yeah. Gotta run, but I love the way you break things down. Just brilliant. Chat soon. Chat soon. Consent Parenting. Talia. We love you. Katrina, hello. So many people <clears throat> popping in here. Mm -hmm. It's really good to see all these, all these names. Yeah. Um, someone says, toddler tantrums and frustrations is so hard as a parent. Toddlers have big feelings and don't always understand. And when mm -hmm. these have um, two different approaches on parenting, mm -hmm. maybe when parents or mm -hmm. adults have two different approaches on parenting, that is really hard. Mm -hmm. we did a we've done a couple episodes on caregiver clashes. We have a, a handful of, um, of Instagram posts about it as well. Um, Ten things to do if you're clashing with a, a caregiver, whether they're your parent or a nanny or... Partner. partner or whoever it is in terms of getting those needs met of your kid keep trying to keep that consistency trying to respect the different approaches based on the different um, upbringings and cultural conditionings we've had while also seeing to the needs of our kids mm -hmm. basically from all the way from modeling um, to taking them to therapy and mm -hmm. everything in between mm -hmm. but toddler tantrums and frustrations are so hard <clears throat> yeah and I'm not sure if you mentioned <clears throat> what does it say here that uh, toddlers have big feelings and don't always understand. And I think so much about it is, yes, they don't understand. So do you know who needs to understand? Us. <laughs> we're we're up. Have, we don't have to drill, drill it into them about they it. They don't yeah. need to understand anything except that we're a safe place for them to express their needs safely, right? We keep them safe and we welcome all the feelings they have so that they can get that stress out of their nervous systems. And we can use our attachment to co-regulate mm -hmm. their nervous systems. Everything when it comes down to it is about nervous systems. Mm -hmm. The nervous systems we're born with. So how much do we cry when we're a baby, right? How much do we how sensitive how, are how we? How easily aroused are we? We would go into fight or flight mode, or how chill are we, right? Mm -hmm. And then that that moves into toddlerhood and childhood, but it's actually able to change. That's where the the nature becomes nurture, right? Mm -hmm. We have that possibility as parents to say, I'm going to calm you when you're a baby. I'm not going to let you fry your nervous system crying mm -hmm. all night long. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to nurse you. I'm going to hum to you. And the mm -hmm. same thing applies with toddlers and kids. And it's just not thought of the same way because mm -hmm. we get tricked by all of their wild um, and wily behaviors. Mm -hmm. And we think and we have these expectations about what toddlers should do, what kids should do, when mm -hmm. deep down there's still a little baby inside saying, I need your attachment. Mm -hmm. I need a sense of security to be able to grow adaptively. Yeah, right? we talk so often about um, how we've been culturally conditioned to prioritize socialization mm -hmm. over self-awareness mm -hmm. and how everything we're talking about here is saying, let's put socialization aside. What they say, what they do, how they express <clears throat> is secondary in importance to how they feel and how they're doing and what they're needing. And that sounds so permissive and so like self-centering and that's okay. Our kids need to center themselves. Our kids need to attune to 
their inner wisdom and inner authority that we talk about. It's the root cause. It's the right? root cause. So if, if we can be connecting them back to themselves, generating and building that awareness, what are you needing? How are you doing? What's going on? Instead of this looks bad, this sounds bad, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. This is what you should do instead. Right. right. Then we're actually going to be making a lot of progress because then they become hopefully adults who are attuned to that. Oh, this thing about my coworker. Oh, what, what bugged me about that? Or, oh, this person said this, my middle school peer, and that made me kind of uncomfortable. I'm going to think about that and, and wonder if I want to be part of that group. Mm -hmm. Or am I just going to go along with it because my parents and anyone else in my life has been conditioning me to the external gaze since I was a newborn, basically. So socialization versus self-awareness is a really big topic that we talk about. What's up, Pan? I've got a bunch of DMs here. Okay, I'm going to try to pin a, a thing real quick. Oh, great. <clears throat> hey, Lauren. It's not pinning, so whatever. Okay, what were you going to try and pin? Oh, just a little like, hey. Oh, okay. Drop your Q&A. We have a bunch of things. Drop so. your Q&A, everybody. <laughs> what do you have? Someone you says, drop a how do you drop your Q. Your Q. How do you respond when a child says, I hate you, or you're the worst mom ever? She's three and a half. Oh, three and a half. The ripe old age to tear up your soul. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's about the age that all of a sudden they have the kids. power to just really dig in that knife, mm -hmm. right? And it would not be a problem and you not, would not be bringing this question up about a three and a half year old who's saying these words if it mm -hmm. didn't get to you. Yeah. And it got to us. I get that. Yeah. It is so hard to be like, my baby. They, they mm -hmm. listen to everything I say and everything I do. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they have the vocabulary to project their stress on to me. That was a hard point when our Said kids would go person. from falling into a pile and you could comfort them to projecting that stress, that that energy, right. all of those things on us. All of a sudden it's dagger eyes or hitting or scratching oh, or pulling what? hair. Right, which makes sense because they differentiated at that point, mm -hmm. right? Babies can't get mad at you because they still think they are you, right? Mm -hmm. And then toddlers get to a certain point where they've really, they've realized there's theory of mind, I'm me, She's her, he's mm -hmm. him, they're them. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm not feeling good. But I'm going to go to that person that I feel the safest with. We mm -hmm. call it lucky and chosen. So we are lucky and chosen Yay. as their attachment figures to be the punching bag, doormat, mm -hmm. hot pile of garbage, mm -hmm. right? Type of situation because they don't have the skills yet to understand what they're feeling and notice it coming on, that awareness, mm -hmm. right? They don't have the ability to identify it. Right? They don't have the ability to communicate it, let alone manage it and yeah. regulate it. So right? Basically, so it's that that really like part of the middle. Our job, and I think we've been conditioned yeah. to think when our kids um, say, I hate you or you're the worst mom ever, we think our job is to say, that hurts my feelings. I have to I show think, her. I think about the impact. Her. I think about yeah. that external gaze we were talking about. They need to know right. that that talk hurts people's feelings. I want them to be a respectful, responsible, compassionate, empathetic, loving mm -hmm. person. So I've got to shut this shit down. Right? Right? And instead of that, we're going to say, how do I build the awareness and build the voice based on the need? So the need is, I'm frustrated, I'm struggling, I need help, I don't know what I'm saying or doing. Root cause again. That's the root cause. Back I'm hungry, cause. I'm tired, I'm all the things. Mm -hmm. So when my kid says, I hate you or you're the worst mom ever, I would say, you're struggling. Okay, you didn't like that I said no to that. Right. Okay, you really wanted to stay at <clears> the park. Okay, so we're translating so that our kids learn the language right. that we hope that they'll say instead of just saying, you can't say that, that hurt my feelings, which is basically shaming our kids. Um, well, because everyone has impulses. We all mm -hmm. have these like these reptilian brains that are like, get me met, do whatever you need to do, right? Mm -hmm. 
And the only way to bypass impulses and like ancestor or prehistoric brain or whatever it is, is to have awareness. And awareness happens in the prefrontal cortex and it needs to be built. Awareness is like the, 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 sor- the life source. It's the key mm-hmm. to managing behaviors and also feeling okay with yeah, it, right? But, but we've been conditioned yeah. to think that we build our kids' awareness by shaming them or punishing them about what they're saying and doing and we don't have to do that. Right. We can help build our kids' awareness by just modeling what we want to hear, validating their feelings, saying the things that, that, um, that they're unable to say based on their nervous system, their development, their literacy, mm-hmm. all of those things. But right. it's so hard. It's so easy to be triggered. And I think mm-hmm. that I would refer um, our Free to Speak episodes. We've mm-hmm. got 10 freedoms that we talk about in our freedoms model. All these realms of our kids' lives that we tend to over-dominate, over-control, that we're trying to basically sensitively support around. Right. Their freedom to speak is this one, mm-hmm. right? Their freedom to feel, to choose, to nourish, to play, to know, to move, all of these things that are theirs, but that we have a responsibility to be supporting, but not getting in there a little too much. Controlling right. too much. Yeah. So what please check question. out check out our Free to Speak episode. Mm-hmm. What else is going on? I feel like there was another one here. During COVID time, someone says, we're doing a preschool share with my neighbor. Our five-year-old girls are constantly getting really upset about who is first to do anything. Any help with how mm-hmm. to work through that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, kind yes. of competitiveness. You just have to pull that part down. <laughs> there we go. Good. Um, that's yeah, hard. Five-year-olds. Our kids do that too, just like, I, I, this wasn't a race. I was first to this or, mm-hmm. oh my gosh she got there first or I wanted to get the first bite of the thing that we were sharing and like oh it's so natural but so hard Mm -hmm. to support for sure. I mean I think first we always think okay how am I accidentally unwittingly perpetuating this Mm -hmm. so that's the respect step of our resist approach. What can I be doing behind the scenes to prevent this or preempt it? Right and so oftentimes we realize a lot of folks we work with Mm -hmm. don't even realize how often they're creating a sense of competitiveness through achievement with like, how fast can you get there? Can you beat Mm -hmm. me? Can you do this through these kind of games and creative play? But oftentimes that can set them up to be like, I need to do better than this other person, my sibling, for example, or my parent. Mm -hmm. And where we wanna be instead measuring achievement and all these things on a person by person basis, not a person to person basis. Right. As as opposed to achievement. You worked really hard to get over there. Oh, you ran, you jumped as, as, hard as your legs could go instead of mm-hmm. you jump so high you right. jumped first right so right. focusing on effort over achievement mm-hmm. process over um outcome uh, pr- like product yeah. or outcome and that growth mindset over that fixed mindset so you can you can google growth mindset fixed mindset to learn more and we've done a few things on it but um but i would just say and, and then in the moment right um, after considering those other things, right? This is part of our sibling guide is just trying to put on this sensitive support staff. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fix, we don't have to mediate. We don't have to um, you know, say, yes, you did win, or no, you didn't win, or this is not a competition, or don't feel bad, right. she, she just did what she wanted to. We don't have to talk our kids out of any of that shit. We just have to say, you really wanted to get there sooner. I'm just validating. Normalize. I'm validate. just here to just reflect what I see in here. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, what you're feeling is totally cool. Oh, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Yes, you wanted to get there faster. You thought you were first, and then she said she was first, even mm-hmm. though you were first. Like in the moment, we can show up by, as you said, Kelty, validating, and then just just asking questions to help mm-hmm. them understand why this matters to them. Right? 
So did you wanted to get first, like, because it was faster than you did last time. So we're validating her own personal goals mm -hmm. rather than a competitive goal. But even right? asking questions can add stress. Yeah. You know, but it's even like, just fill me in. I'm here. Tell oh, me what you wanted to do. What did you hope? What, yeah. Hope happened. Mm -hmm. What happened? Like, what were you thinking would happen? Mm -hmm. Oh, what could happen next time? Okay. Right. Right. And just being open and neutral and like, we don't have to do anything mm -hmm. to fix anything. But I'd say less praise in general and, and mm -hmm. more like the progress over perfection kind of yeah. model of uh, discipline We could stuff. talk about praise sometime too mm -hmm. because we really believe praise is judgment, yeah. as Alfie Cohn says. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a couple, couple things oh, great. here. I was going to look at our DMs. Are there any accounts you suggest for feeding kids? My husband is a clean your plate to prevent food. Ooh. Probably waste. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Love that question. Oh my gosh. Love Hannah talking loves about, talking about it. food. Feeding kids. Oh my gosh. We totally grew up we, in a home of feed your plate. We can't waste, yeah. right? We, we or can't. eat the proteins and yeah. leave whatever else. But like that was what cost the most or it will give you the most energy. Or mm -hmm. we don't even know what the value was that was instilled in us to eat all of the protein on our plates. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it's still there. It, it's really tricky. Um, so I think that I would um, advocate for um, checking out um, Full Bloom Podcast. Mm -hmm. They're amazing mm -hmm. resource um, in, as far as eating, body image, um, feeding, yeah. all of that type of stuff. And we had a great ep podcast episode with them talking about several health-related things. On their podcast. Yeah, on their podcast. But also just Google intuitive eating and, and look into that. We've got some resources on our on our resources page, books, Ellen Satter's book. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I would <clears throat> recommend uh, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, and I can't remember who That's wrote new, it. That's new, right? It's new, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just like diving into it now, but it's like pretty awesome from what I can tell. Dina um, Rose, who wrote, it's not about the broccoli, mm -hmm. um, and uh, Ellen Satter, who wrote Child of Mine. Mm -hmm. And then also Evelyn Triboli, who wrote uh, intuitive eating and like really brought that together. There's so much research and science now on saying, do not force your kids to eat certain things. Mm -hmm. Talk about freedoms that you mentioned, Kelty. Yeah. That's our kids' freedom to nourish. We want them to be self-attuned. Mm -hmm. We want them to decide from the inside when it comes to food or anything, right? If we're constantly telling our kids to look to external sources for everything they do, what they eat, how much they watch, when they go to sleep, when they're tired, what they're interested in doing, when we, they need to they're not brush building, their teeth or wash their hair, or they're not their building nails. any of the inner wisdom and authority that's going to help them succeed and be resilient <clears throat> as adults. Oh, so. she says she's reading intuitive eating, but not far yet. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah. But yeah, basically the <clears throat> intuitive eating um, model is based around Ellen Satter's division of responsibility, which is uh, we decide what foods as parents, <clears throat> as right. parents, when and where. So these are the foods we, we buy and cook. This is the window of opportunity when we're serving it. And this is where we're serving it. So at the dinner table, this is where we eat. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to run through the playroom while we're eating, et cetera. Right. And then our kids d decide how much and which foods. Mm -hmm. So they're like these ones and how much I'm going to eat of it. That's mm -hmm. such a huge trust fall. But research shows that's the healthiest way for kids to be attuning to their bodies, to what they need, to their taste buds, <clears throat> which take repeated opportunities right. with no shame, no blame, no binary thinking. You like this, you don't like this. This mm -hmm. is healthy, this is not healthy. It, it asks us to shatter all of that thinking and just Which say, is, how's it feeling? Did you try that? What did you think? This is a, this eating situation is a big experiment. It's a venture that we're on together. 
But I think that we have to keep remembering that when we control our kids eating, just like we control anything in their lives, we're not actually giving them skills. We're creating a dependence on external validation, resources, expectations, um, information. And we want our kids to understand their bodies. And so that's why we focus on mm -hmm. their that inner wisdom and authority, that attunement over the external stuff while still controlling the general environment. Yeah, this person says, my 10-year-old would eat only pancakes, pizza, nuggets, and chips. I'm having a hard time believing she'll round out her diet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that we actually had a, a great DM, which we'll um, get to in stories um, this, this coming week about food and about... Um, the stress of are they getting enough? Are they eating too much? How do we how do we curb it? If um, this this person who wrote in earlier, this, this pediatrician says they need to be on a diet and they're six, mm -hmm. right? They're a little overweight. So right. we would say maybe stop buying pancakes, pizza nuggets, and chips. Mm -hmm. So we would right. <laughs> we would say limit those foods, not by saying you've had three, so eat fewer, but just we're just not buying those right now, or is, those aren't these available. Are the options for breakfast now. Right. And I yeah. think, though, like we have to remember, too, like I think that where was I going with this? But I think that the idea and the research that's around this is saying, actually, kids round out the the nutrition mm -hmm. that they need. And I think this was um, Dina Rose in It's Not About the Broccoli, which is so great because she pinpoints all these different parenting types mm -hmm. around food. So you're like, oh, damn, that's me. Oh, that's not me. That was my mom or that's my friend. Yeah. Or um, that's my partner. But the kids actually will round out the the, the nutritional needs they, ha they have within a week to 10 days, I think it is. So uh, I think we were all programmed to be like the, the, the little like... Um, triangle model. Triangle yeah. model of food of we need certain amounts and for every meal to be a perfect combination of all the nutritional We have to have at least have. three bites of each thing. But it's not triangle. how it works. And then a child who's maybe been conditioned, their taste buds have been conditioned or they have sensitivities around certain foods to eat and prefer certain ones, then you need to go even beyond and backtrack even beyond saying, let's just keep throwing out all these options and they're going to round it out eventually. But saying we need to, to kind of um, pull back and start a new narrative around all this food stuff in general. Mm -hmm. And so Dina Rose talks about that a lot too. She and says that's why she, I leaves, book. she leaves any veggies and most fruits on the plate. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. where she's at. That's where she's yeah. at. And I, and I wonder if, you know, we, we always wonder like, okay, are they leaving that because they're like truly averse to those things? Are they leaving them because we've been pushing them so hard and they're mm -hmm. like, I can't deal with this pressure. So I'm actually mm -hmm. not going to eat those on purpose. There's so many um, kind of uh, <clears throat> unconscious and, and, and kind of. Uh, undercover things going on and so mm -hmm. I think that this is just such a beautiful topic and we're so grateful you brought this up because it it allows us to create some awareness around our role we don't want to be in between our kids and their food and in between them and their eating and their mm -hmm. bodies it's because like, that's what yeah. we want them to be building but how do we do that sensitively it's such an like an interesting place to think about that sense of trust mm -hmm. like when our kids are babies and they're they have a bottle or they're nursing they turn their face away when they're full and we respect that we're not going to force feed them. And at a certain age, for some reason, we believe that we know better than they do about their body or their mm -hmm. taste buds or how much they need or what they want or when. Right. Not to say that we become totally permissive and just let them eat everything they want whenever they want. That's the playing in the gray. That's the middle work that we're trying to so do. Hard. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but yeah. you're doing it. And we want to hear what you think about that book. We're really excited mm -hmm. about the intuitive eating book as well. Yeah. And our free to nourish episode on our podcast will <clears throat> go into all of this a little bit more too. So hope that helps. There's another question here. Someone says, <clears throat> co-parenting daughter three and a half won't sleep well at my house. At dad's, she sleeps well. 
nightmares, hard to uh, hard to go down easy. I have boundaries. I can't see the rest of it. Mm. Mm. Sorry. That's really hard with uh, co-parenting and just like two different sleep environments. Mm -hmm. yeah. That'd be really tricky. Mm -hmm. But gosh, like, I mean, kids, they're so resilient, but they also, you know, need support uh, with mm -hmm. transitions. And who knows, maybe asking what the, the dad does with um, his bedtime routine and saying, how can we create somewhat of a consistent you know, it's different mm -hmm. because it's at different houses, but what do you do so that we can kind of integrate into that same, yeah. that same if thing? We, if, if you can find ways to overlap, right? Mm -hmm. um, and have your, um, your partner be planting that seed for like, and tomorrow you'll be a mama's house. How do you guys do things there? I'm excited to hear what story. Do you want to tell her the story that we talked about tonight? And trying to kind of blend those atmospheres must be so difficult, but, even just but it to can blend, be. To blend the routine, I would say, too. But I would say, say both. So is it, you know, you do the PJs, you do the toothbrushing, you do the, or the mm -hmm. snack, the toothbrushing, the um, book, the bo two books, one song, whatever mm -hmm. it is. I think a three and a half year old could still code switch enough to know what happens at dad's house, what happens at mom's house. Mm -hmm. But it's still hard for whatever reason. I think just women are also fucking fried too. And it's like, I want to acknowledge and validate the fact that you might feel like ready for the day to end. And I think that that has nothing to do with being a single parent or partnered or any of mm -hmm. those things. Like we have struggled so much. And a lot of folks we work with have struggled with just being like, I cannot handle this. Like I need my personal boundaries. I'm ready to um, clean my house, watch my Netflix, do work, do mm -hmm. all these other things. And the, the amount of time my child is needing in this moment is just feeling like a little too much. Yeah. Um, we're coming out with a challenging behaviors guide soon that I'm really excited to deal with. One of the behaviors will be bedtime resistance. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is just such a beautiful topic of, of opportunity mm -hmm. to, to find ways to reframe the idea of bedtime, understand our kids and connect with them in a different way, yeah. not necessarily devote more time to bedtime, right? Yeah, I don't think it's a matter as much of time as of quality. So mm -hmm. if we can gear ourselves up in those moments to be like, I'm going in. Okay, I'm armed, I'm ready. I wanna make this time count instead of be counting down the minutes till I'm out of here. And not that you're even doing that, but yeah. really to just dial in. Yeah, I would also like to say too, you are a, a touchstone for your child and a rock for them. And maybe dad doesn't hear nightmares happening at his house. Mm -hmm. Maybe child wakes up and doesn't feel comfortable going into dad's room that they had a nightmare. They are telling you these things. And I have, we have to keep remembering that problems equal trust when our kids do that. When our kids are dysregulated and struggling and needing us, they're showing us that they trust us to help them and support them. Yeah. So we're not the ones being dumped you know? on. We're not the like, oh my God, they do fine over there and they struggle with me. Right. We're that chosen lucky person we talked yeah. about earlier. Someone else said, just a thought, if the dad moved out and they stayed in the old house, maybe mm -hmm. she struggles to cope with the change dynamic, mm -hmm. but same. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. We don't know how recent it's the this, same, but it's different. this change was that you mentioned. So we, we don't know. It could just be, um, as this person lovingly points out, it could just be a transitional issue too. Mm -hmm. So it could be the new place that you're in. And so she's struggling to just be in a new place at yeah. night, right? But that's something we can have through a, re a resist approach conversation outside the moment. Mm -hmm. 
I've noticed that you've been having some nightmares or you've been struggling at bedtime. What's going on? What can I do to help you? What can we do to keep you feeling safe and relaxed? Right. Do you want to do a little bit of a longer bedtime? Should we add one book? What if I stayed and rubbed your back a little longer? Or when you come in in the middle of the night, do you want me to walk you back to your bed? Or do you want to be cuddling with me for a few minutes first? And knowing that this is, is not forever, this is a transition, right? And I think having these conversations with a three-year-old is so great, but I think we can also be like, we can connect with them in the moment, but also just be like, let's keep experimenting as the mm -hmm. parent and not feeling a sense of shame or failure that they're struggling at our house compared to a part, uh, an ex-partner's house. Like, mm -hmm. that's okay, or co-parent's house. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all right. It's okay. They're going to be experiencing different things, and it doesn't... Um, necessarily say anything negative about our relationship at all just focus on meeting their needs and as you would mm -hmm. no matter what right that's the love idea that. love that question we're going to wrap this up soon everybody yeah this has been really fun <sighs> any other um questions thoughts feelings going on it's the end of quite a year right now right mm -hmm. like oh my god I don't know what you all are doing on New Year's Eve, but we're here. We're, we're wrapping things up. We're rolling in with, without any high expectations for the <laughs> evening, the day. We're not trying to make up for 2020. We're not trying to like set intentions and be um, really intense about what's going to happen this next year. I love that. I've seen so many things on Instagram being like, Oh gosh, we're just like throwing all of our um, challenging things to the wind and we're just going to be the parents we want to be. And mm -hmm. I think that that the word expectation keeps coming back to me, Hannah. Mm -hmm. And that if nothing, can we reduce the expectations we have for our kids and for ourselves? Sybil says, I like these girls. <laughs> says, Hi, Sybil. Blair says, Happy New Year's Eve. Appreciate you both. We appreciate you. Someone says, love this advice on sleeping. Mm. Oh, good. Someone else says, moms always get the downside of bubs because they feel more safe, so they just pour everything out. Absolutely. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, what was I saying? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. You derailed me. <clears throat> um, We're doing the work. You're all doing the work. I think that this year has been, we mentioned earlier this week on Instagram, has been a shit show for us. Days, oh, weeks, I, I remember, months, I remember year. what okay. I was saying, though. It's been Which hard. Is, can we just... Give, give ourselves and our kids grace and just take down the expectations a little bit. And I think that we've been conditioned to say when we feel stress, we're going to raise those expectations. Now more things need to happen. I'm going to put more demands on the people around me to get my needs met. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so hard as parents to realize our kids do not have to meet our needs. Right. That is not their job, right? We, we can tr endeavor to meet our own needs and each other's needs as adults and with our partners or co-caregivers or Therapist. parents, therapists, whatever it is, but our kids do not have to meet our needs ever. They only have to be the people they are. And we don't have to meet our kids' needs 100% of the time either. Mm -hmm. Research shows you can be a good enough parent mm -hmm. and that all the work we're doing is not to be th th with this kind of um, hope of perfection, but it's just a progress of saying, I want to show up as best I can. I'm showing mm -hmm. up and growing up. I'm doing the work. This is a practice we're endeavoring to, to engage in, right? This mm -hmm. isn't this like level again of achievement that we've all been conditioned to believe yeah. and this level of perfection. We, all of that creates this shame blame game and it, it, it stifles growth, right? Yeah. We talk so often about how people are like, 
well, it was doing so well, and then I yelled, or I sent them to their room, or I spanked them, and mm -hmm. then they were mad at me, or all these things happened, and I feel like I went backwards. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this movement in parenting as like a river flowing. Mm -hmm. It's always moving forward. We're right. always progressing, right? It's not three steps up, one step back. Two steps up, three steps back. Mm -hmm. In our case, it's a river, right? We're, we're moving in the right direction. Just following the flow. Following we're all the doing flow. the work. Yeah. Oh. Yes, good enough parent books. Love to read them. <clears throat> We've got a lot of resources on our on our page. I think that um oh gosh, like good enough parent was um I'm totally blanking right mm. now. Um but we'll follow up on stories with some uh books to read um where you that don't make you feel like shit basically. And we're hoping <laughs> to write one of those someday. <laughs> A book that parents can read and actually feel better, not worse. That's the hope. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about yeah. this new year and just, you know, new day. I feel like we're constantly saying like our kids give us so many opportunities to be doing this again, doing this, like refreshing ourselves. Like we get so many chances and, it, and we've had this kind of like, you know, obsession for a while with Anne of Green Gables, like 35 years, a while. Um, and one of the quotes from it is, tomorrow is always fresh with no mistakes in it yet. And I love that, but I don't think that anything we're doing are mistakes. Like, okay. they're not. We're all just moving forward. This is our fail-forward attempt to growing up alongside our kids. No mm -hmm. mistakes for us. No mistakes for our kids. No bad choices. No good choices. We're just muddling through this as human beings, person to person. And that's ho how we hope how to keep communicating with our kids. Mm -hmm. Person to person. Respectful human being to respect, respectful human being. Or they're growing into that. Conversation by conversation, moment by moment, meltdown yeah. by meltdown, right? We always have tomorrow in parenting, right? Always. Yeah. And we've got to lean on that and use that to our advantage, right? Someone says, yes, would love a book from you. Someone else says, will you be reposting this live? Um, thank you for answering. I missed part of the answer. Yeah, it'll be yes, posted Yes, and we live. had a question for you, too, like to expand Bubble Toes, so you can DM us. Love your focus whilst your precious kiddos are singing in the background. Screaming in the tub. Mm-hmm. <sighs> we love you, Mom. Love you, Mom. All right, everyone. That's all we got. 2020. We're done. We're out. <laughs> let's, let's wrap this baby up. We will have one more episode, a final episode, <laughs> um, on the podcast and not here on the podcast mm -hmm. um summarizing i think yeah. we're gonna maybe like tiptoe into exploring our freedoms um the freedoms model for our kids and just be continuing to think about how we can be sensitively supporting our kids through all these realms of their lives mm -hmm. um that were so easy for us to control through responsibility when they're little babies and as they grow up and grow up and grow up they're saying i need more i want more mm -hmm. give me more agency give me more information give me more connection about this stuff mm -hmm. instead of Teaching me, controlling me, molding me, fixing me. Right, and right? I think conventional parenting tells us to be like parenting, that's doing, right, mm -hmm. constantly. And I think that talking about these freedoms, which we're going to talk about in our podcast episode and that you can download on our website for free um, at upbringing.co, says, how about we do some thinking as parents? Mm. Let's, let's consider a little bit. We don't have to do a lot. Let's maybe think first and build some awareness. Right, because with that new awareness comes a new approach, right? Yeah. And that new approach reinforces the beliefs, right? And that's how change is made day by day, yeah. hour by hour, 
Right. But all this, thing, all this thinking keeps coming back to our expectations as yeah. parents. And that's what Hannah and I were talking about earlier yeah. today. Just being like, oh my God, expectations are like are, are ruiners. They're the things that limit us and our kids the most. Where do these expectations come from? Why do they have to be this way? Mm-hmm. Are they a must? Are they going to control my child in a way that's not healthy for them? Mm-hmm. Right. Where does this come from? And just shattering our expectations as the ultimate and saying we can live in a more democratic, egalitarian household that's more connected, that's more like this instead of hierarchical up and down, right? Where we're not expecting constantly our kid to change, but we're taking some responsibility, acknowledging our privilege and power as parents mm-hmm. and saying we can change, right? Yeah. That's the new the new uh, lens that we're trying to bring into parenting here and that mm-hmm. we're so grateful that you're all here to join us in um, moving forward day by day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we couldn't do it without you. And it feels so good to be doing these lives mm-hmm. and to be hearing from you on Instagram, on comments, on DMs. We're so mm-hmm. excited about the new year with our uh, new membership community that we're starting. So you can go to our website to mm-hmm. look at that. Um, we've got courses coming out soon. We're just, we're really excited and just feel like uh, so grateful, I think, essentially, yeah. that. <clears throat> this community is happening and that you're all here participating in it it just feels really magical and uh there's like a momentum that that we're feeling that we're moving all towards something greater Uh, we call it sanity and social change in our homes uh, as people and also this greater social aspect right yeah someone says thank you for showing up for us mamas this year keep being you thank you for that happy new year yeah Absolutely. Thank you all for showing up and growing up with us and being here to talk about these hard things and not just sweep them under the carpet and pretend they're not happening, but really get in there leaning in with connection and love for our kids and their growing brains and their development and um, giving yourself the chance to grow up alongside them and alongside us. Yeah, we're all in this together. We're all growing up together. And thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you in 2021.